Our scripture today is Psalm 60. O God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry. O restore us. You have made the land to quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches, for it totters. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. You have set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. God has spoken in his holiness. With exultation I will divide up Shechem and portion out the vale of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I cast my shoe. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. It's great to be back at The Way again. My name is Dan Myers. I'm the pastor of New Creation Church in North Hollywood, one of your sister denomination churches, and uh, it's great to be with you this morning. So I have been married to my wife, Kirsten, for 22 years, and one of the things that we've tried to do over the years is to do conflict resolution well. And so what that looks like is this. After a conflict, we kind of go back and we reprocess and we go, where, where did the wheels kind of come off there? And often it goes like this. Well, when you said this thing, it really just took me to a bad place. I got defensive or shut down, whatever it was. And so then the next part is, okay, so uh, how could I say that differently? How could I say it in a way that would keep you engaged? Well... If you said it like this, if you use these words, I would definitely receive it better. And so that is exactly what we have in Psalm 60. We have God giving us the words to use when we're experiencing something uh, difficult. And so um, it's a conversation with God. It addresses God. And so the Psalms are meant to be both expressive for our, uh, us to express our hearts to God, but also um, that it would shape us. So there's this rawness and this honesty in the expression, but also there's this heart change that comes, that shapes us as we say them, as we sing them. And it is the songbook. The Psalms are the songbook of God's people. And so this particular song is given to the choir master. And so God is saying, I want you to sing these words to me. And something special happens when, when we sing. It gets into our heart in a deeper way. And so it's important for us to find laments that we can sing to God. So let's dig into this one. Uh, we're going to look at this psalm like a hymn. And a hymn with, uh, with different stanzas. So we're going to start with the first stanza that gives us our lament, our complaint, the predicament that God's people are in. And so the complaint really names a situation. It names a circumstance that is painful, 
that is wrong or that is unjust. In other words, uh, a circumstance that does not line up with God's character or his promises. And so it doesn't make sense within God's kingdom. And so the beauty is this, that the complaint is actually to God himself. And so the psalmist doesn't give up. He doesn't say, well, I'm done talking to God, or there is no God. Rather, he wrestles with God. And so he's saying, this present time does not align with your character. It does not align with your promises. And so he questions God. And so a lament really then is an expression of trust in God's character, in God's power, and really in God's previous actions. It's an expression that looks beyond our present circumstances to what will be. So the context of this particular psalm, it's a corporate song for all of uh, God's people to lament. We're told in the intro that it is a psalm of King David, a miktam of David. That means it's from the collection of David. And it says that it's according to the Shushan Eduth. And we can translate that as, uh, it literally means the lily of testimony. And so it's the beautiful word, the beautiful testimony of God's truth. And we're told that it is for instruction. God is saying, I want to teach you how to communicate with me. I want to give you the words to say when you feel like this. And I'm going to show you in that also how to preach to your own heart in the midst of trial. So with this particular psalm, we get a little window to where we are at in God's, uh, God's larger story in the biblical narrative. And so this psalm is a psalm of David, and it's rooted in a story in 2 Samuel chapter 8. And uh, that, of course, is right on the heels of 2 Samuel chapter 7, which is the Davidic covenant. And so God has made a covenant with David in the previous chapter, and God has given David the throne of Israel. And God has promised, I will make your name great. I will give my people a home. They will not be oppressed. I'll give them rest from their enemies, and I will also raise up your offspring and establish his kingdom, and I will establish his, thrones, uh, his throne forever, and that means this, that your throne will be established forever. Now, we know that this throne would begin with David, and it would be fulfilled in Jesus, and so the promise of Jesus is that he will one day come and end every earthly kingdom to be replaced by his kingdom of everlasting peace. And so God makes this covenant with David and then he immediately puts him on offense. So David is commanded by God to go on the offensive. He's commanded to conquer the surrounding nations. Now, that sounds strange to us. I think at first read, we kind of don't like that, right? It sounds imperialistic. doesn't sound like the New Testament, right? Is this just a, a dark past that we can just kind of move 
move by, maybe even ignore? Well, here's the thing. If we understand it rightly, we know this, that David in 2 Samuel 8 is beginning the work that Jesus will ultimately complete. And that is destroying all earthly kingdoms to bring about something better, a lasting kingdom of peace. And so the surrounding nations for David were evil nations, evil nations who had oppressed Israel. And so we learn that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And so that means that he can give land, he can take it away, he can move people wherever he wants to. And what God is doing is he's giving us a taste of what Jesus will ultimately do by what he's commanding David to do here. And so spreading his kingdom of peace throughout the earth, bringing people under God's rule and reign. Now this psalm uh, gives us an intro that really sums up the whole story right up front. Let's take a look at, uh, at the introduction. Uh, the introduction says this, uh, when he, that is David, strove with Aram Naharim and with the Aram Zobah, and when Joab on his return struck down 12,000 of Edom in the Valley of Salt. Okay, so what we learn here is that there was a struggle uh, in this uh, battle against the surrounding neighbors, but that the struggle ended in victory the 12,000 Edomites were struck down. And so God's people are commanded to go on the offensive and conquer these neighboring nations, bring them under God's rule. But as they go, they find it's not so easy. They're actually struggling. And that brings us to the accusation. Let's take a look at the first three verses now. There it says, Oh God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry. Oh, restore us. You've made the land a quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches, for it totters. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. In other words, what is happening? We're getting beat. What you've promised is not happening, and it's because of you, O oh God. We are losing because you, O oh God, have rejected us. We're losing because you, O oh God, have broken our defenses. We're losing because you, God, have been angry. You've made our lives like the ruins of an earthquake with land torn apart. You've made us see really hard things. And it's like you've poisoned us with, with wine. We aren't fighting. We're staggering here. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And it's your fault. We're following the commands that you gave us to do. And you are leaving us out to dry. Do you ever pray like that? <laughs> it's quite a prayer, right? Well, listen. God not only gives us permission to talk to him like this, he makes it into a song. He says, I want you to sing it. Talk to me. Sing to me when you feel like this. And you can even use these words. Now, why do you suppose that they are struggling? Well, the text doesn't give us an explicit reason, but I think it does hint at it. 
there's a show that I've been watching uh, called Ted Lasso. Maybe you've seen it. And the story's about this guy, uh, the southern soccer coach, and he goes to Europe and he's uh, coaching a professional soccer team and he's been brought on uh, so that the team will fail, uh, unbeknownst to him. And there is one player on that team that is a superstar, right? And the rest of the team is terrible. And so they're losing all their games, but the crowd loves the superstar. And he's the only one that scores goals. And when he scores a goal, they go nuts. But this guy, his name's Jamie Tart. When he scores a goal and the crowd is cheering his name, what he does is he runs on the field and he points to himself and he goes, Me! Me! Right? It's so self-centered, so narcissistic, so egotistical. And the rest of the teammates just look at each other and are like, are you kidding me? The coaches look at each other and are like, are you kidding me? And they know, we got to bench this guy. This is toxic. He is so self-absorbed, he's not bringing the team along. He's not a team player. And I think that this is what we see happening in Psalm 60. Seeing God's people maybe operating in their own strength. And when we do that, when we try to do God's work in our own strength, uh, that is problematic. And so you might think to yourself, okay, well, what, what about now? How does this psalm apply to us? Uh, we're not in the time of David. Uh, are we still even on uh, the offense, right? God's kingdom is spread throughout the earth by his church. We know that. And we know that he does not call the church to attack and conquer nations by the sword. So how does this apply to us? Well, I think first we have to understand the battle. And we get it from Ephesians 6.12. There it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so Ephesians 6 tells us this. Just after that verse, it says, Put on the armor of God. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Matthew 16 tells us this, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And that is a picture of hell on defense, which means this, that the church is on offense. So how do we do that? How does the church go on the offensive? Well, I'll tell you how we don't do it. We do not fight spiritual battles with the weapons of the world. And I think the church at large is guilty of this. The church at large has engaged in culture war, which is just a tactic of the world. It goes like this. I'm going to build up influence. I'm going to build up wealth. I'm going to build up political power. I am going to secure my religious liberties. I am going to guarantee my comforts in this world. And friends, that is not what we are called to do. And yet, I think it puts us 
in a good position to sing this psalm and utter the same complaint, right? We are losing. Oh God, you have rejected us. You've broken our defenses. You've been angry. Oh, restore us. You've made the land to quake. You've torn it open. Repair its breaches, its totters, for it totters. For you have made your people see hard things. You've given us wine to drink that made us stagger. I think that's appropriate right now. And so this psalm tells us this, that we need to appeal to God for rescue. Let's take a look at verses 4 and 5. There it says, You've set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. Okay, so in the second stanza, we've got this appeal to God's rescue. Appeal to a banner that God has set up. Now, what is a banner, right? Uh, If we think about it in our own context, how about the star-spangled banner, right? The banner is a flag. And when is a banner, a flag, raised up in battle? Well, it's raised up in battle as a rallying point. Think about all the historic scenes with the flag being raised up in battle. The battle of Iwo Jima, the soldiers all raising up the flag as that rallying point. And so, who is the banner? What is the banner? Well, the banner uh, for David in this time, for God's people, is the covenant that he has made with David. David becomes the banner. And so to raise the banner of David is to raise the banner of faith in God's promises. And so in this psalm, God is saying, when you feel defeated, rally to the banner of my promises. Rally to the banner of faith. Now for us, for you and I, our banner, a little further along in the story, is now Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus is our rallying point. Jesus is the banner who was lifted on the cross. He was lifted up for our victory. And so the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the offense. (laughs) And so we must... uh, Look at the cross as our place of victory. And we must flee there to Jesus for our rescue, for our salvation. And how do we flee to him at the cross? In faith and repentance. Deliver us, Jesus. Save us, O Jesus. Give us success in the battle that you have called us to. How do we do that, church? How do we go on the offensive? Well, I think it's by this, by being on mission. The psalm starts out saying that it is according to the Shushan Eduth, the lily of testimony. And so we go on the offense in mission by sharing our beautiful testimony by sharing our faith, 
we talk about Jesus and what he is doing in our lives. How we've been transformed by him and where we are at work in his kingdom. And I think we do it by asking probing questions of our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers that can lead to spiritual conversation. So to be on the offensive is to ask good questions. And we do it by practicing hospitality. We do it by practicing generosity. And we are to pray for these things. And in doing so, we arm ourselves with God's word. And we sing. And we lament when it gets hard. And when it seems as if nothing is going as God promised, we cry out to God for rescue. And then we celebrate God's victory. We flee to Jesus every Sunday in worship. And we encourage each other in community because this is a team effort. And we appeal to what God has promised. Let's look at how David does this in the first part of verse 6. He says, God has spoken in his holiness. It means this. He cannot lie. God cannot lie. God cannot be untrue to himself. And so this is relying upon God's character to deliver God's promises. And the promises are for God's people. Listen as David declares them in the second part of 6 through verse 8. He says, with exaltation, I will divide up Shechem. This is God's words. God has spoken in his holiness. With exaltation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the vale of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom, I cast my shoe. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Here is what's happening. It is this, that... The whole earth is the Lord's. That is what God is proclaiming here, that he owns it. And so the places of your enemies are a wash basin. In other words, when God metaphorically washes the dirt off his feet, Moab is the territory that collects the dirty water. And when he takes off his metaphorical dirty sandals at the end of a journey, Edom is the place where he tosses his dirty shoes. God has made his promises and he is holy, which means he keeps his word and he is all powerful to do it. And so the enemies of this world are no match for God. And here the psalmist is preaching to himself. He is reassuring his own heart These are the words of the psalm meant to shape us. And then we get this wonderful path to victory, bringing it full circle. Let me read 9 through 12 for you. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe. 
For vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. David is saying this. You have called me to bring the nations under your rule. Under your rule. And if you're not behind this, it ain't going to happen. Therefore, God, grant us favor. Grant us victory. If we do it on our own strength, it won't even last. It'll just be in vain. But if you guide us, O God, we will have success. And you are the only one who can tread down our real enemies. And so, church, know where the war is. It is not against flesh and blood, but it is against spiritual forces. And so that means that we have to arm ourselves with the armor of God, with prayer, with the scriptures, and with each other, with community. And that means that we're on offense. And we do that by being on mission. We do that by sharing the beauty of our testimony. We exercise hospitality, generosity, sacrifice. We seek the flourishing of the city of the world, being the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. And so it means that our focus needs to be this, extending God's kingdom instead of fighting for our liberties and comforts. And that means that we must have a gospel dependency. It is so easy, it is so tempting to just operate out of our own strength. But this is the Christian journey, my friends. It is about increasing our dependency on God and one another. So different from every aspect of our lives, right? When you are a kid, you're told, grow up, be independent, do it on your own. I can't help you. But the gospel is the exact inverse of this. It's you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own strength. The closer you move toward Jesus, the more you realize you are dependent upon him and upon his people. And so that means that we lament and we cry out for that dependency. And we flee to the banner of the cross of Jesus, who was lifted up for us in victory. Cry out in lament. Sing out in lament when it isn't going well. Express your hearts with rawness and honesty, but also let it shape us by God's holiness, his truthfulness, his promises. And remember this, that people of God, when we lament together, like we're given the words in this psalm, it puts us back on mission. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, I give you thanks for these words. Thank you for showing us how to communicate to you. Lord, thank you for Uh, the reminder of how we are to be on the offensive, how to be on mission. And Lord, that we must look to the banner of Jesus, the banner of the cross and the dependency upon you to achieve what you've called us to do in this world. So Lord, help us to live it out as your people, to live it out in community with dependence upon one another and upon you. And Lord, we wait on your promises. 
it is hard and we often feel defeated. And so, Lord, we cry out to you for help. Help us, Lord. We pray it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.